Hey everyone, and welcome to The Rational Republican, a podcast where we look at complex issues facing us here in Oregon and around the nation. We'll try to address issues from a nonpartisan perspective and view our disagreements through a lens of respect rather than tribalism or divisiveness. I'm James Ball. This is Nick Perlosky. Hey listeners, how we doing? Today's podcast is brought to you by ProLift Garage Doors. ProLift is your one-stop shop for residential and small commercial garage doors from openers, springs, and rollers to full reinstalls. They offer same-day service on all garage door repairs with no extra charge for evenings or weekends. Serving the greater Portland metro area, call today and set up your free estimate at 503-558-6349 or at proliftdoors.com slash Portland. Again, that's 503 558 6349 or slash portland On this episode of the podcast, we have Betty Campbell, who is the executive director of Expose Hope, which is a charity here locally who helps women get out of the sex industry, uh, specifically prostitution, stripping, all of the above, right? Yes, exactly. Well, Betty, um, I've known you for a couple of years now. Uh, I actually knew your husband back because he works at Intel. He and I work together. We're both veterans. We kind of got to know each other that way back years ago, five, six years ago. And so before I started ProLift, before I got involved in politics, before any of that, I knew Tony. So um, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, one other thing to mention, no Nick today. So sorry, it'll be a little bit boring. He's the funny one. But uh, why don't you take a couple minutes to introduce yourself, uh, talk about Expose Hope, you know, kind of your story, how you got here. And uh, this is a political podcast, so if you want to talk politics, you know, this is the place to do it. Ah, so um, Expose Hope began seven years ago. Um, I was actually doing an outreach with my church to, to uh, bars. And uh, that it was a late night, obviously, thing that we did. And there was a woman in a wheelchair who... Uh, was outside of a strip club and her husband was inside. She was really upset. And uh, it caused me to wonder who tells these women that they're cared about, who lets them know they are not the bottom rung of society. And so the more I thought about it, the more I realized nobody, I looked and looked and looked and nobody was. And um, I just felt like it was time that the church take a stand uh, Jesus certainly took a stand, so I figured it was time that we actually take a stand. That uh, this is the the goal of the church is to bring women who are broken and hurting in, right, and to help them. And uh, we have actually helped over sixty women leave the life. Two men, and just, that's just in the Portland metro area, but we're also in other cities in Oregon and in other states now. And uh, I'm excited about that. Um, politically, I'd like to see us do more about trafficking. I'd like mm-hmm. to see us um, actually have programs for women and um, mentoring programs for women who may not have other opportunities. See, for us, a man, if he loses his job during COVID or something bad happens, he gets thrown out for whatever reason from where he's living. He can go become, he can go dig a ditch, make 30 bucks an hour. Woman can't do that. She's going to be at McDonald's. She's not going to make the rent. Then DHS is going to come in and take her kids to add insult to injury. We need to be doing things in this society to help women become entrepreneurs, um, to see their destinies through, get into schools. Trade schools would be awesome. 
So we need to be creating programs like that in our government um, and making change so that women are not enslaved in a country very concerned about slavery. We don't seem to be concerned enough about women being enslaved and children being enslaved today. So I feel like I can talk about this a little bit because it's in your book. It's out there. It's not really a secret, but you have a, a history in, in the sex industry and um, did that. Uh, do you mind talking about that or do you want to? pass on that oh i would rather so. pass on it but you <laughs> okay, know we don't have to talk about but that. it doesn't do any good you might as well just be open um that's i mean why it, the book it's, came it's out. in the book so right. i figure it's so we, it's out there yeah you know it's not my favorite part of my life to talk about but the reality is it happened and um i was led into the industry um by my ex-husband my first husband who um encouraged it highly let's put it that way and um it is a very dark industry. It was a hard time in my life. It is a time that broke me every way that I can be broken. I mean, I went into it very naive. I came out of it very street smart hmm. um, with a guy who wanted to kill me. And <laughs> so I, you know, you learn so much about the darkness of humanity, but you also learn about the good in humanity. And that's what I want to take back into the clubs is that, it is a tough life. Um, we do little, um, there I go. It's all right. Um, we do little, um, pop blogs, little blog. We do small blogs. <laughs> it's going to be a day. That's all right. We do small blogs, um, on our website. And one of the things we talk about is self-care, foot care. I mean, I can barely walk by the end of a month. I have to see my massage therapist often um, to keep me from having to get shots in my foot um, from being in stilettos for so long. There are women whose backs have been broken, um, falling off of the pole. There are women who've been beaten, uh, prostituting, um, threatened, choked, um, who have terrible PTSD. In fact, the PTSD rate for us is higher than that of returning Vietnam vets. That tells you how bad wow. the industry is. So it was a really hard time in my life that taught me a lot. It taught me how to be independent, but it also taught me um, that you have to be very wise with what you do, with your whole self, your body, your mind. Um, and as a woman, um, those things are commodities. Mm -hmm. And so you have to protect them. Like you would if you had gold in your pocket. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing. And I'm sorry to, to bring that up, but I think that's something that we don't, society doesn't hear very much is kind of the dark side of it. You know, we, we drive past sassies and TikTok club and exposed down on here, which we talked earlier, you, you stole their name for, for your name. <laughs> I don't know mm -hmm. if I'm allowed to say that, <laughs> um, but we, we come drive past these things, you know, all nude review, whatever Mary's sorry. I, I know too many names of them, but because I'm just, I've been around, I've been around Portland. They're everywhere. Right. And we often say that if anybody stole our car and got into our GPS, they think we were the most perverted people in the world because we have nothing but churches and strip clubs in our GPS. Yeah. <laughs> so. But we just, we just kind of think it's just become a part of, of Portland culture. And there's this big movement of like sex work is real work and trying to normalize the sex industry and talking to people like you and hearing your story, you realize that it, it, how harmful it is. 
and harmful to the girls, harmful to the men, harmful to everybody involved. And, you know, if we get kind of into a, you know, Christian lens, you know, you can look at that as, as just a broken and sinful world and someone and people who are deviating from God's path. And, but this is a politics podcast, not a religious podcast. So, um, those would be my personal views on the thing politically. I've always kind of been of a more libertarian mindset of, you know, you do what you want, I'll do what I want as long as you're not hurting anybody, you know, or taking away someone else's rights to do what they want, you know, kind of you can do whatever from a from a governmental legal standpoint. Um, and so I'm kind of torn between those two those two ideologies of well, it's not really hurting me, it's not hurting anyone other than the person who's doing it. There's plenty of things that are legal that are harmful to the person who do who does them Mm -hmm. um and on the other hand just kind of being aware of the the harm that it's doing and so i totally get that that because that is me um i lean that way myself and there's a part of me that says well you know if a woman wants to and, and and i have to say i actually i'm all for you know sex work is real work they work Mm-hmm. And it's a hard job. That's yeah. why we're so broken physically when we're done. Um, it's a very hard job. Um, and our ladies are the hardest working women that I know. Uh, but I know that sometimes um, there are bills brought up. And not every bill is everything it looks like it will be. So there are... Um, methods of controlling prostitution, allowing women to do this if this is what they wish, um, and to um, allow and to stop, to lower the amount, because you're never going to stop it, of trafficking. There's been trafficking mm-hmm. since Genesis. So, um, But the problem is most of the bills being brought up currently, the one that was brought up in Washington, D.C., that uh, we fought against, and then the one that um, they're looking at here in Oregon, both of those are horrible bills. They actually will not, although there will be women who will come in, and they will give great testimony, and they will cry and say, this is going to protect me. It will do the opposite, much like... So I'm not the, familiar. Can you elaborate about on, oh. a little bit what, those, what the bills are? So there is a bill that was presented last session, and it never got heard. It, it, there was too much other stuff, thankfully, mm-hmm. that got in the way. Never got heard, but it will be presented again this time. And I can't remember its number, but, um, it is a, it is to legalize prostitution. It's basically the same, um, in writing as what they did with meth and mm-hmm. heroin. So the idea was, well, they won't get, they won't get any help. If they are, um, if they are going to be convicted for it. So we're going to legalize it. So they'll come get help. They'll feel hope, hope and come get help. The problem with that is the first thing they did after that bill passed was they cut funding, cut funding to organizations that gave help to those who were addicted. Hmm. And. Because they aren't mandated to go anymore, a lot of times that was the bottom. You're talking about the meth bill. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That was the bottom. And the bottom is where you have to go in order to get past your addiction. Yep. So it removed the bottom. So instead they're dying. Mm -hmm. 
That's exactly what will happen with the bill that's being presented. It is not a Swedish bill. It is not the Amsterdam bill. It is a bill that will allow women to be trafficked over and over and over again because as it is, women don't turn in their traffickers. There will still be traffickers and there is nothing built into this bill to stop that Mm -hmm. except that she can turn him in. But we all know she's not going to because she will die. Mm -hmm. So uh, most women in Portland that are prostituting are trafficked. They are not Lone Rangers. And the idea that there would be more Lone Rangers, how are you going to leave your pimp? You're just going to tell him you're done. You think he'll be okay with that? Right. That doesn't usually happen. This is not as, these types of bills are not safe for women. So while I'm not going to take judgment over who does and what they do, I will t- be concerned if we are continuing the American idea of selling humans. And right. that's what prostitution is, selling a human. So just to kind of continue the conversation, but I've, I've heard a, a rebuttal to that is that legalizing prostitution like they do in, in Nevada gets rid of the pimps. It, uh, and I, I'm, I'm not read up on this, so mm-hmm. excuse me if I'm not fully fledged ideas, but if you, the idea is that if you legalize it, now you have brothels, now you have people kind of working for themselves. It, it allows prostitutes to work within the system instead of outside the system. And so they don't need the pimps really for protection. And so I, again, this is an argument that I've heard is that it, it's, it, you're never going to get rid of prostitution. And so if you allow it and tax it and regulate it, you can make it safer. And you're saying that's not the, that's not really the The case. The bill that is currently in front of our legislature would not have any of the Nevada qualifications in it. There's no qualification to test for sexual diseases. There's no qualification to register. There's no, it just legalizes it. So you can't arrest. If you don't arrest, you don't get them away from their pimp long enough for them to be able to say, I need help. Got it. So most of the women I work with, um, are pimped. Mm -hmm. Not all of them. And there are those who are doing it totally on their own. And that is absolutely their right in this country. However, um, there is nothing built into this to stop that. And um, the Nevada bill is completely different. First of all, it's only in two counties. I think it went to three. There's only two or three counties that it's legal in. Hmm. Um, and there are still pimps there. And you're still working for someone So what is a trafficker? A trafficker is someone who sells another person. In Nevada, you go to a brothel and that brothel sells you. Take a cut. Yeah. It's exactly the same thing. Now, it is a little safer in Nevada, but I have heard horror stories coming out of the Nevada brothels. So to say that it's completely safe is a complete lie. Yeah. Well, you and I... We're at a meeting a week or two ago with uh, Kevin Barton, who's running for district attorney in, in Washington County, re- running for re-election. So uh, good luck. <laughs> but we talked a little bit about this, and I kind of forgot where I was going with this. Well, basically, he said they don't really prosecute the prostitutes. They'll prosecute the Johns. They'll prosecute the pimps. Uh Generally, the women who are doing this are the victim in the situation as much as anyone else. And so, the, is, do you think that there's a way that we could kind of codify 
Because e- even if we're not prosecuting, there's still the threat of prosecution. There's still the kind of the 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 fear of getting in trouble. And so this is kind of the same argument that was made for the for the sanctuary city, sanctuary state, where if you're being trafficked, if you're doing something illegal, or something it's being something illegal is being done to you, you're not going to turn anybody in because you could get deported, you could do all these other things. Um, do you think there's there's a policy way that we could a lot like kind of protect women in that sense that they're not as afraid to come come forward? There is a model out there. Um that is very European, uh, and they do require registration. Um, the girl will turn in her, like she actually turns in her receipt, just like a business, because it is a business, let's mm-hmm. face it. Um, and it, it does help protect her. Um, and there are laws that can be written well, but the ones that we're looking at right now, the one that was in Washington, D.C., is not well written. And so we need to be talking to survivors, not to those in the industry, to those mm-hmm. who've come out. Because, you know, when your money is on the line, right, you're not going to say the same story. Yeah. Um, and talk to them. The survivors have answers for politicians if they'll just listen. I think we kind of look at that the same way with homelessness a little bit. Everybody, I've seen a lot of news articles where they go and interview somebody on the street of like, what do you think about X, Y, and Z bill? And they're like, oh, I hate it. It's like, well, yeah, because it's going to force you to get off the street. And (laughs) you Mm -hmm. like, exactly. But I I think you're absolutely right. You find someone who's survived, someone who's gotten out of it and, and ask them for their opinion, not the people who are, who are actively living it. Right. Interesting distinction. I'm going to remember that. And I actually, there are some great things happening in Oregon for our ladies. First of all, there is, um, they aren't usually prosecuting prostitutes. Right. Um, in fact, Washington County used to, and it's great that they don't anymore. They will just suggest programs and helps. Um, they give them some safety and some space to breathe. Um, but they, uh, there also is a great expungement process here to expunge not just that record, but anything that goes with it. So so one of the things that um, traffickers will often do is have a girl pull a felony. Mm -hmm. Once she has a felony, it's difficult to find housing. It's difficult to find work. Mm. So he is entrapping her in a society where she needs him, right? So that's exactly what they do. But the problem is now once she has this felony, um, she's trapped there. But... A lot of places will get rid of the prostitution felony, but not the drug felony. Mm. So now they're wrapping all of it together as long as it can be proved it was the same period of time, the same, you know, same trafficker, because many people who traffic women also traffic drugs. Right. So um, they're actually wrapping those and freeing those women from that past. That is a huge thing that we're doing. What we need to do is make it more accessible and less expensive. It's about $5,000 to start that process. Well, for one of my ladies working on $15 an hour, that's an insane amount of money. We need to have the ability, if we can pay two years rent for people, we can certainly waive fees or make them scalable so they can pay monthly on it and remove that those crimes from their records so they can move forward. I think that that speaks to kind of a bigger 
problem of just prison reform reform in general or mm-hmm. whatever um not prison entirely but just like justice system reform where if you get a felony you are you're stuck in that system forever and you know we we kind of have this idea of you do your time you do your parole whatever and then you can go back out in the world but the reality is it's really hard to find a job it's really hard to find housing um if you, if it's something sexual like now you're even more limited it's it's uh it's something you carry with you and we we're very quick to discard people when they do stuff like that when they when they have a record or there's a mistake or intentional or or whatever and the result is they end up back in the life that they came from because selling drugs or prostitution or whatever uh they don't do background checks and mm-hmm. we had a great podcast on this is kind of one of our lower listened to episodes which is unfortunate but we talked we talked to a buddy of mine who uh committed armed robbery uh just out of high school spent seven years in prison and now runs a nonprofit working to get uh guys mostly back in into society after they get out of prison and uh yeah, it's, it's a fascinating story. Very, very interesting. And again, talking to somebody who's gotten out of it, and he he attributes his community to being able to get out of it. He has family. He had a church. He has people that he knew that were going to give him a job, even though they knew his his background. And he was he would he said on the podcast, he's like, if I didn't have that, it would have been real easy to fall into a life of crime again. So I get it. I, I think that that's a that's a that's a bigger issue that I think needs to be resolved as well. And I think the Republican party could be the ones to, to take that up because I don't think anyone cares right now. No one cares enough to actually take a step in that direction. Well, I've so. seen a lot of marching and yelling and screaming, <laughs> but actual movement towards anything hasn't happened. And I know that there are great Republican um, senators and house of representatives. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, who who have great ideas, and I've watched some of these in action, to change some of these things. And the thing is, what it is, is we see felon or sex offender. And mm-hmm. when you think about it, my ladies, sex offenders, right? Yeah. Um, and we have an image that we're sure that's who they are. But when you meet them... That's why I love my annual event. I mm-hmm. love that I have people stand up who are well known in the community, who own businesses, and they say, "I'm one of Betty's girls. I'm one of Betty's yeah. girls. My daughter is one of Betty's girls. My son was in this life." And suddenly, you see, it's everybody. Yeah. We've all made mistakes. I mean, how many of mm-hmm. us want? what we did when we were 18, 19, 20 to really be remembered because that was our make, you know, make error time. Right. But in today's world, it goes with you forever because it's all electronic. Yep. Uh, you, there, and so there's no getting away from it by moving. There's none of that. So we have to give them the opportunity to make mistakes, whether it's dealing drugs, whether it's prostitution, whatever, and somehow turn their lives around. We've been, as you said, the very, path back into society. Yeah. Very blessed here in Hillsborough. The community here, the businesses here have been behind my women. And I know they're going to be behind when UGM comes out to Hillsborough as well, bringing mm. ladies who've had addictions and, and that type of thing, giving them that chance to change their lives because that's what we need to do. We need to change lives working together as a community. And we're going to find we're all better 
from it. So yeah, we do need, we need Republicans to step forward with some ideas. We can't just be anti. Well, I don't like what they're saying. Mm-hmm. What are the great ideas you've got then? Let's do something. I love your idea for homelessness because <laughs> I've got women who are homeless. So that's why we started a house. Yeah. And if what they need is an opportunity, let's give them that. So they can step up and out and let's, as a community, reach down to them and help them. But let's not encourage them to stay where they are. I wouldn't encourage even my child to stay. If they're in fifth grade, I don't want them to stay there forever. I want them to go to sixth. Yeah. So we're always evolving as humans. And if, if you're a business owner, I would encourage people to give, give those people a shot. You know, exactly. if you're, if your business allows it, if your regulatory environment allows you to, to hire people, uh, give them a shot, interview somebody who's got a felony, you know, interview someone who you normally wouldn't have interviewed. And, you know, you might be surprised at, at what you find. So I think that's something we can do on an individual level. I mean, I think the government can, can get involved too. I, I, I think that banning the box was a good step in the right direction. Not, a, not just eliminating the question from applications. Mm-hmm. So you can still ask people in the interview, you know, what your history is, but just le- letting them get that interview basically. Mm-hmm. Cause once a lot of times, once you get the interview, you can, you know, you can, you can talk about things and, and, um, anyway, I, I, I think, I think it's something we all individually can do as well as you'd look at the government to help move it along. Exactly. Exactly. But you mentioned a little bit about a lot of marching and yelling and screaming. Um, I've said this before. I'm so frustrated that people think that that's what makes a difference. You know, if you really want to make a difference, go to your city council meeting. Right. You know, go to join your political party, go to a city club, go find something to get involved in because that's where change is made. Change is not made out on the street throwing rocks at people. All you're trying to do is influence the people who go to those meetings mm-hmm. to do something. I mean, imagine if all those people who laid down on the Burnside Bridge and then that you know famous photo, if all of them showed up at a Portland City Council meeting, imagine what would happen. Or ran but, for office. Or ran, ran for, for office. office. Yeah. And that's the thing. We're not, we are not teaching. I'm a big believer in teaching civics because I mm-hmm. was a civics teacher. Yeah. I took the first homeschool group ever. Uh, and put them in We the People Civics and did quite well. Um, but we need to teach where do your rights come from mm-hmm. and how do you enact upon those rights. And we need to be telling people that in Nevada, um, I was a lobbyist. Mm-hmm. And I knew that 100 calls would turn a bill. 100 calls. That's insane that 100 people calling can change a bill, whether it's going to go up or down, but it's true because so few people actually make that call. Yep. So when you're opposed, call and say so. When you are for something, call and say so. If you have a concern, write to your reps uh, and get involved with them. Go to political um, events and ask them questions. What are you going to do about this? And then what about this? Mm-hmm. Sometimes we get an idea of what the person looks like. You know, all Republicans are this and all Democrats are this. But Mm -hmm. that's absolutely not the case. I watched in Nevada, Nevada, the mayor of Las Vegas was Democrat. Mm -hmm. um, And he did more for business than any other person. 
and up here, so many times we hear Republicans are these awful people who hate people. But I know that most nonprofits, they're, they were started by uh, Republicans, most of the ones that I know of. And they are doing great work with the homeless, with meth addicts, with heroin addicts, with strippers. Yeah. We're not all bad. Well, there's actually studies that show that Republicans are more generous in giving to charity than Democrats are. So there's a little statistic and that's a huge for you. thing because it does take money to do everything that mm-hmm. we do. Yeah. So, but I don't want to say, I don't want it to come off that I do not believe women have a right mm-hmm. to be sure. prostitutes. Okay. Well, I, I personally don't feel it's God's best for them because I've been there. Okay. So right. I don't personally feel it was what it, you know, you're born to be. Right. They have that right. And I encourage them to do what they feel is right. But what I don't want is women being sold, women being abused, children yeah. being sold. We're, we always run between number one and three in the United States for prostitution of women, men, and children. Wow. That is not okay. We yeah. need to be changing. Uh, we can't be selling children to the highest bidder. We can't be selling our children. Most of my women started when they were 10 or 12 years old. Wow. That has to be stopped. They don't have choice at that point. Right. Right. So we need to make sure there's choice involved. Excellent. Yeah. So kind of going back to your work and Kim's place where I've been out there. Um, so you will Friday, Saturday night, go out to strip clubs, befriend the dancers, uh, and just kind of as they're ready to get out of the industry, you, you are there for them when they're, is that mm-hmm. kind of close to what? And sometimes when they haven't gotten out. Yeah. Um, uh, the lady that the house is named after, actually, we were there for her when her child was in the hospital over and over and over again because he was being abused by his dad. Um, and so we are there even before because that's the idea. Right. Jesus didn't just say, you know, hey, when you get all better, then come see me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to be there. I want them to know they're cared about and that they matter in the industry or out of the industry. We helped over 650 women the first six weeks of COVID because mm-hmm. our ladies got no unemployment, though it was paid on many of them because they were in the sex industry, which in this state is a legal occupation, but they couldn't get yeah any help. You shut down their state and they can't get fed. Yeah. And there, the food banks had no food at some points. I mean, it was horrific. This, and I'm going to tell you something. Pimps don't care about evacuation or, um, COVID <laughs> about COVID, about COVID rental stops. They don't care oh, about that. Right. That, that you can't throw anybody out. Right. Um, they didn't care. They threw them out anyway with their children. I mean, yeah. and it was not okay. And our state, you know, in fact, I've never been political. We don't get political. Um, right. It's not something we do. But I made my first political statement during COVID because I stood on the state capitol stairs saying, I don't understand how in the world you can tell these women they cannot work, but then also say, you're not going to feed your children and you cannot eat. Yeah. This right? was not okay. We saw huge rates of abuse. And... We had a girl who was stabbed by her 
significant other. And when she called the police, they told her, learn to get along with him. There's nothing we can do. Wow. And she had to take the bus to go to the hospital to get wow. sewn up. This That's is incredible. Our ladies were without anywhere to turn. So either open the state and let them work mm-hmm. or give them help. And we didn't want to do either here. Yeah. And, you know, even if they could get on, I think at some point they were able to get on unemployment, right? No. Months later and even throughout all of COVID, they weren't. No, there was a, wow. an account made at the very end that allow that was that prostitutes could put in for, but it was, um, it was very limited, mm-hmm. um, and many demographics were not included in that. Got it. Yeah, I was going to say, even even if you could get on the unemployment list, the, it was, I don't need to tell the listeners of the show probably, <laughs> but famously, you couldn't even get checks. Like there were, it was months before people got this, and that's just good governance. You know, the fact that we have we spend all this money in taxes and all this money that goes into unemployment insurance just so that the government can fail to hand it out at the end like that's the type of thing that frustrates me to death you know this should not be a democrat or republican thing that's no, just it shouldn't. that's just good governance and it's the executive branch that runs the um that runs those systems and the executive branch failed Absolutely. Lay lay that at the feet of Governor Brown is the the fact that and the governors before her that failed to upgrade the system. And, you know, when when it was stressed by covid, it it broke. The system broke. And it and it broke over those who were hurt most by it were those who were on the bottom rung of society, those who couldn't afford to lose out. And there's no excuse for taking someone's living and then not replacing it. And I don't yeah. care what they do for a living. Right. There's just no excuse for that. That's not a humane thing to do. i got a lot of friends uh, still at Intel. And so their experience with COVID was working from home. Mm-hmm. So none of them lost their jobs. If anything, they have more disposable income because they're still getting the stimulus checks. They are not going out to eat. They're not doing anything. They're just sitting around. A lot of them went, I talked to a, a friend of mine who's from Guam. He went to his family's place in Guam for two months. I know friends who went to Italy or Germany and worked remotely for two or three months during COVID. If you are middle class, upper middle class, COVID was great. You had a great time in COVID, but it's those, the lower income people who got cut off at the knees by government action. And this is another point I'd like to make. COVID didn't shut down the state. Our government shut down the state. Exactly. And they used COVID as the reasoning. And, you know, you can debate whether or not that was a good thing, but let's not blame the disease. It was government action that harmed these people. And you're right. If you take away someone's livelihood, you need to replace it with something and Six hundred dollars every six months uh, doesn't cut it. No, it doesn't. And so. unfortunately, we're look. You know, you look to the government for help at those times. Yeah, that's when it's okay for the government to step in a national emergency. We need to come together. Um, and when we look to them and they fail, now we wonder. Well. Why do we have them? If they can't do this, why would I give them my health care? 
Right. Why would I give them my, you know, all these other parts of my life if preaching to the choir? <laughs> so it's difficult, and and because we saw the worst of it, we just, it was horrific. Uh, the calls that we got were just terrible, and there were so many of them. Yeah. And my ladies did not deserve this, nor did my gentlemen. They just did not. And I think there's a there's a difference. I read a book recently called When Helping Hurts, and one of the things they talk about is the difference between relief and you know ongoing whatever and i think one of the things the government should be good at or should should do a lot of is this immediate relief they say relief should be immediate it should be substantial and it should be temporary and that's what we needed in covid we needed a huge influx of help it needed to be done quickly and it needed to be done Exactly. And you know, the other thing that you, wasn't you can't done have, immediately. You can't have ongoing, you know, back in the, uh, at what point we were at 99 weeks of unemployment or something that people were able to get, yes. like, that's too much. You, sh- you, you have a, a short term burst of, of government assistance and then it's done and you're, you got to get back on the horse at that point. <laughs> well, and the other thing we didn't do was, um, and I found this very odd. So at the beginning of COVID, our event was supposed to happen three days after the shutdown. And this is where we get all our money to run on in the year. I only mm-hmm. have $450 in the bank. Yeah. And I've got all these calls coming in. And it was horrible. So I applied for all of these different things. Well, because our nonprofit currently isn't paying anybody PPP. Mm-hmm. Did not apply. Mm. And then when I applied for grants from the city, well, the city was only giving grants to real businesses. And I said, okay, so you're not granting Meals on Wheels. You're not granting us. You're not. Gra-. So who's taking care of the elderly then? Because mm-hmm. they're not getting money coming in right now because you shut the state down. Who is going to take care of those who are addicted because they're not getting money coming in because you shut their fundraisers down? Mm-hmm. So, and, I love that Hillsborough stepped forward and said, oh, you're right. We need to do something. But it took several months for that to pivot around. That should be the first help going out because mm-hmm. the food banks were running out of food for heaven's sake. I mean, we need to fund nonprofits in national emergencies so they can do the work they do yeah. or else it will all when these nonprofits fail, it all falls back on the government. Mm-hmm. And now it's your taxes paying for it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Crazy. Well, we are getting kind of toward the end of the show. I wanted to give you an opportunity. Uh, you've got a couple books, you know, where can people find you? You want to give yourself a little bit of a plug before we get into our final question. Well, you can find us at exposehope.com and that's X like X rated. There's no E before it. X P O S C H O P E.com. And then my website is bettylcampbell.com, and both of my books are there. Symbiotic Business, Why Business and Nonprofits Need Each Other, and we really do. Um, and um, how you can get more as a business out of your giving. And then um, My Journey in His Hands is my story, why I started Expose Hope, what God has carried me through. And it's just a story that to remind people that you're not alone. Mm-hmm. You are never alone. Um, and as someone who has attempted suicide you know if you're listening you're never alone there's always a call you can make there's somebody out there who cares so reach until you find them if you don't think that someone does just keep reaching because we are out here 
And uh, so, yeah, connect with us there, or we are on Instagram and Facebook. Um, Kim's Place is Kim's Place of Healing. Uh, no, Kim's Place, a place for healing. Got it. Well, cool. So one of the things we like to ask our guests before they go, and I gave you a heads up before we started. Sometimes I don't. Uh, <laughs> I forget, and then I just drop it on people. But um, we like to ask, who is your favorite Republican, if you have one? See, and this is so hard for me. Um, we can ele- we can broaden it to favorite politician if you don't want to. I d- I just I just love our system. I love that it is checks and balance. I love that it works, and we have had so many amazing politicians on both sides. Actually, um, I would I would say honestly one of my very favorites, and and I know it's going to sound cliche because I'm here, but you're one of my favorites. Aww. I oh, really <laughs> love that you care about your community, um, and. Um, you really do. It's not just, you're not just doing it because, you know, hey, I hope to make it through the process. I've watched you work at Kim's place, uh, get on your hands and knees and, and do the hard labor. Um, and that's what I want in a politician. I get so tired of politicians who tell me how hard it is to run and they're sitting in this opulent place and having a beautiful dinner mm-hmm. um, instead of understanding that some of us are out here struggling. And I love that you care about your community. So I would have to say James Ball would be one Aww. of my very favorites. Um, <laughs> well, thanks, Betty. You, you're an amazing human being. I really appreciate I hope it. you win. Well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, jamesaball.com if you want to check me out more. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we'll call it an episode. Thank you again so much for coming on. Was, this is really fun. We've been trying to get Betty on for a little while now, and it finally worked out. So, Well, thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Love doing this. Absolutely. And listeners, we will talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to the Rational Republican Podcast. Your hosts are James Ball and Nick Perlosky. The show today is brought to you by ProLift Garage Doors of Portland, serving the greater Portland metro area for all your garage door installation and repair needs. If you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can email us at james at jamesaball.com or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. You can find our episodes at jamesaball.com, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts.